think I'm doing those eyes. <laughs> I think I'm in love. It was terrifying. The pain, the, the fear of being eaten. I was drowning at the same time. I just accepted that I was going to die. Was there a bit of fandom for you when it came on? Oh, you huge. And I did not try to hide. <laughs> did not try to hide at all. Out of the Box with Serge Negus on FBI. tunes and music news if you missed anything she played you can head to fbiradio.com to catch up on anything there my guest on out of the box today though is someone i'm incredibly excited to have on the show and i'm sure you will be too you'd know him for his deep rapid fire politically infused rap but he's also an incredible actor and writer who well just doesn't seem to be slowing down at all extending his career beyond music he's appeared in several television series such as black comedy clever man the weekly with charlie pickering but arguably the craziest credit to date is the announcement that Matt Groening, yep, the creator of The Simpsons, has just employed him as a writer on his new series. He is, of course, Yoda Yoda rap lord Adam Briggs. Mate, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, sir. Mate, now look, before we get stuck into all the hectic life of Briggs, what you're doing now, let's take a little bit of a step back in time and talk about little Briggs growing up in regional Victoria. Can you paint us a picture of what your childhood was like in Shepparton? Um... Shepparton is like a it's like a classic rural city, you know what I mean? It's a lot like it'll be a lot like a uh Wagga. Yeah. Aubrey, you know what I mean, for my um for our New South Wales listeners. Yeah. That's what you'd chalk it up to. That that would be the similarities of a town as like with that you know, with that kind of small town um you know, population you get those small town attitudes. Mm. So it was a pretty racist place. Yeah. Well, it's funny, right? Because that it, it's kind of painted as as a town that's like celebrated for its multiculturalism. Because there's a bit of there's a lot of cultures there, there, that's for sure. But actually, what you're saying is, is it's not as rosy coloured as people would like. No, to think. So no, tell it's us, not. Like, tell us more about that. Like, what what kind of racist kind of experiences would you have there? Just your classic. Um, well, for instance, I played. Here we go. This is this is a banger. <laughs> yeah, good. I, I played footy, um, AFL for um, for. The, the local um, indigenous footy club, Rumbalara Football Netball Club, which all my family played there. And there was another team, the Benalla All Blacks, um, who were all white um, <laughs> in, that, in, that, in that division. And, you know, before anyone says, oh, I'm just overreacting, there are, they were affectionately known as the niggers. What? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, how that, is that even possible? Because that's... There it is. Um, they were affectionately known as the niggers. Their, their club song was like the Richmond Tigers club song, except rather than Tiger Land, it was Nigger Land. What? Is that still happening right now? No. When we entered the competition, they had to change their their you know name or whatever to the Panthers. Yeah. And what was that like for, for a young Indigenous kid growing up and experiencing that so in your face? I mean, like, how does that impact on you down the line? Um... It, you know, for me, I'm I'm very fortunate. Um, I'm very fortunate. Like I can look at it and understand. You know, I'm 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 lucky. Mm. I can I can look at it and I can dissect it and um, and diagnose. You know, why and how I am. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. the way that I am, and but. You know, I can also understand why some people 
didn't survive, you know, um, those attitudes. Yeah. Um, and so what was it for you then, though, that gave you that ability? Was it your family? or Yeah, just yeah. my family. Like, the strength of my family. And, you know, when I say family, I mean all the blackfellas in Shepparton that supported me, you know what I mean? So it's not just mum and dad and my brothers and sisters. It's a whole community, plethora yeah. of people who are my family, who are extended family, you know, and they're the whole reason that I can do and say the things I say and, and be the artist and person that I am. And that's because we're all in it together, you know, so many of us made us made it through, you know, and that's only one. Yeah. That's one little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, but that's the attitude. So yeah. there's like, there's like a little glimpse of the attitude that we were faced with. Do you think it's changed much since, you know, you've grown up? Nah, it's just that now we're visible, they can't go, they can't call themselves the niggas anymore. Yeah, but the attitude's still the same, right? Yeah, they, those attitudes take years yeah, to yeah. adjust and, you know. It's an amazing thing that we're dealing with still in this country, isn't it? But look, getting on to the music though now, because it is a music show, mm. you brought a couple of pretty epic tracks in for us. Now, the first one, Snoop Dogg, Who Am I? Why have you chosen this song? Um... As f I'm pretty sure this is the first rap song I'm I've, I ever heard or seen. Sick. <laughs> so like I remember watching it on Rage, and Snoop was on the rooftop, and I was like, "Who is this guy? And what is this? And what's going on?" It would have been '93, I reckon. Yeah, nice. And because I grew up with so many different old, you know, so many older cousins and and siblings, I was exposed to a lot of older content. You know what I mean? Like if I was watching cartoons at in the morning that was getting turned off to you know watch rage sick <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing i could do about it so that's where i first seen snoop dogg and that's what um that's what really um sparked my interest you know in music sonically you know and just the the look of it they you know it was so cool <laughs> of the sea, back to the black Snoop Doggy Dog, monkey at the, the, the dock, went solo on that ass, but it's still the same, Long Beach is the spot where I serve my cane, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip, nine trips ain't the year for me to fuck up shit, so I ain't holding nothing back, and motherfucker, I got five on the 20 sack, it's like that, and as a matter of fact, cha -cha -cha. cause I never hesitate to put a nigga on his back, yeah, so keep out the manuscript, you see that it's a must we drop gangsta What's the motherfucking name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the bow to the wild, creeping and crawling, yiggy, yes, yo, and Snoop Doggy Dog in the motherfucking house like every day. Dropping shit with my nigga, Mr. Dr. Drake. Like I said, niggas can't fuck with this. 
And niggas can't fuck with that Shit that I drop Cause you know it don't stop Mr. 187 on the motherfucking top Tick tock Now what I got Just some nuts in the cock Robbing motherfuckers And I kill them blood cops And I step through the fog And I creep through the small Cause I'm Snoop Doggy 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 Oh Hands in the motherfucking air And wave the motherfuckers like you just don't care Yeah, roll up the dank and pull the drink And watch it stink Cause doggies on the gang My bank rolls on swole My shit's on hit legit Now I'm on parole Stroke With the dog pound right behind me And up in your bitch Is where you might find me Laying that, playing that G thing She want the nigga with the biggest nuts Then guess what? It's I and I am him Slim with the tilted brim What's my motherfucking name? Tune into Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus, and my guest today is none other than the legendary Yorta Yorta man, Adam Briggs. Now, mate, we just were talking before the break about you know starting to put pen to paper and thinking about rapping and those kind of things. When did that really happen for you? How old were you? Um, I was always interested in rap and music in general, but I didn't know how to make rap music um, because I grew up in the country. You know what mm. I mean, like. No one was, no one was doing that where I'm from, mm. and like, when you're a kid, and the big cities 200 kilometers away, that's a pretty big, <laughs> you know, your chances of getting anywhere are pretty. Yeah, it's it's long. pretty pretty hefty, man. Like, yeah. we didn't have the same, you know. There was we didn't have the internet, and there was no regular trains really. There might be like one or two a day. Yeah, I think you know one there, one back maybe. Um, and if that's if I had the money to catch it, mm. um, so uh, you know I wasn't exposed to how to make hip hop rap music until way later. So I started playing guitar when I was a kid um, because I understood it. And yeah. I was like, all right, well, I'll do this until I figure it out. And, and that's always been my attitude. It's like if I can't, 
if I can't get the job at the factory that I want, I'll just work at a, as a janitor until I, until you get you know, I'll work in the mailroom until something opens up. Like it's always been my attitude for anything, all of this stuff has always been a foot in the door yeah, yeah. kind of attitude. So although I wasn't making the music, <coughs> I wasn't making the music I really wanted to make or I could still enjoy it mm. and I still had an appreciation for it. I still loved it, but it wasn't 100% what I wanted to do mm. until I figured out, you know, how to make rap music when I was maybe 14 or something like that, 15. I and started really experimenting. And why was it that you wanted to do that? Because I, I read somewhere where you were talking about how yourself and Trials, you know, used to write the names of these rappers and whatnot on your pencil cases at school. Yeah. And then you were like, actually, you know what? Like... I want someone that I can relate to to be able to be written on these pencil cases, right? Yeah, well, it was like the whole point was, you know, it was, it, there was such a divide from not just, um, not just um, musically, it was, a, it was a cultural divide. Whereas if we wanted to make rap music, we were looked at as American wannabes and that was the mm. worst thing you could be. But if we picked up a guitar and played country music, that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't being an American wannabe, that was yeah. being an artist. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. there was just this thing about overcoming these, you know, these certain obstacles mm. to really find that freedom in the music we wanted to make. And for me, that was, um, in hip hop and yeah. when I found that I could do it and I was, you couldn't stop me. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, it's pretty funny because I, I actually had a, a federal politician on the show and he actually played bad apples. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty crazy to have you say that, thinking about, you know, like, you know, people wouldn't accept it. That was thinking as, you know, some try hard American thing and now you've got federal politicians dropping your songs on the radio. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, like, that, you know, you've got into some pretty amazing opportunities through your rapping, and, and you did recently, or like a couple of years ago now, uh, go and spend some time in uh, a juvenile detention centre. And I mean, you know, the over-representation of, of Indigenous Australians in prisons is ridiculous, but in particular, the over-representation of young Indigenous Australians in mm. prisons. What was your experience when, when you went there and you met those kids? Yeah, well, like, to, to look at it, you know, objectively, you know, we are the most imprisoned people in the world, um, you know, per capita. Yeah. And I think the fastest growing prison rate is um, is Indigenous females in mm. WA. Um, I, I've spent... I sp every time I've gone into these places, like the few, the, the few times I've done it, the, you know, I always went in just with a sense of not patting myself on the back, not um, just helping someone else share their story. Mm. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, because I, I know I filmed it once, mm. but that's the one time I filmed it. So you've done it more, more than that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Victoria I have. Yeah. Um, up here, I haven't. Yeah. It's a bit. It's a bit harder, I think, because that's that's a max. Yeah. Um, that's a max. Security, yeah. Uh, so, the, they're what they considered A class offenders. Yeah. 
um, which means they're not, you know, these are violent offences they've they've um, they've committed, and I make no qualms about why they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, but my focus when I went in was about um, showing the the child because they are children. Mm. That's why they're not in adult prison. Um, behind these um, these offences, and to try and reach uh, um, an empathy to the audience, uh, for the audience to to understand that they're kids, mm. um, which was really important for me. I didn't want to sensationalise anything. I didn't want to talk about their crimes, yeah. um, even though they, they wouldn't be allowed to. Um, because I didn't want their crimes, their offences to dictate our interaction and also the perception of how people were going to receive their story. I I figured if I showed, I I wanted to show these people, um, the audience, the child that's in there. Who mm. misses his mum? Mm. Who's who may have done something horrendous, but to 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 throw him away when there's such a chance for rehabilitation mm. um, would be such a uh, would such would be such an injustice on its own. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, things have to change at some point. Um, do you think you, there's an easy solution to it, or do you think? Of course not. It's a so it's so complex. Yeah. Because you need justice for. Um, you need you need to have justice for people who have been victims of crimes, mm. uh, from these perpetrators, but also, you need to focus. It's it's such a it's a weight that I'm you know I, I understand that I don't carry, mm. um, that you know because I'm not casting judgment on these kids. Um, you know, it's such a weight for them to understand. It's like sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, rehabilitation should always, well, well rehabilitation should always be the, the first the, protocol, the, the first priority, um, and creating a productive member of society. But the real, the first priority of, of our community and society should be keeping kids out of there, mm. keeping them engaged in, in community activities and school and stuff like that, it and should um, be the should be the you know the focus. Man, it's such a big, big conversation. I think you've gone a long way in trying to help us <laughs> try and get some kind of solution to it because you definitely need to get that. But look, uh, moving on to the music. Next song you got for us is Grave Diggers. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Tell us about this track and why you brought it on. Um, this was one of the tracks. Um, Another track I heard on Rage when I was a kid, because it was just so I'd never seen hip hop um, be so scary. Mm. Like I'd seen it be gangster, and I'd seen it, but I'd never seen it on this really dark, you know, this kind of theatrical tip. It, it reminded me of like another, you know, genre I'm fond of metal, and just that the theatrics of of entertainment. You know what I mean? And yeah. The film clip terrified me when I seen it, and I loved it for that because I was a big horror movie fan. Yeah, nice. And um, 
It was such... I never heard anything like it before. And I was just, like, just perplexed by it. I was just so enthralled of, like, what is going on here? This is so, <laughs> this is crazy. And um, I fell in love with it. And it, ever, ever since I can remember, like, that CD has never left my car or never left my iPod or anything. I just so love Grave Digger Six Feet Deep is still one of... It's still a top five album for me. Let's get it on, I keep the water sparking blown. I be the sick lunatic with the devil is home. From the mist of the darkness, I come with this. Hitting straight to the chest like a primacy mist. Resurrector, yeah, the fanatical type. I'm like a bat in the night when it's time to take flight. Here I am in the flesh, and yes, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed by the sounds the track possess. Intellectual, killer, special, majestical. Take no-dos, all the low-life snakes and lies. 
You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus, and my guest today is Yoda Yoda rapper, actor, writer, Briggs. Now, let's talk a little bit about Reclaim Australia, the album, because, you know, you and AB Original, you burst out of the stables with a very direct political message, and Australia lapped it up. They really did. Like, it, you know, it got lauded. Why do, you, why do you think that direct message really hit home? Um, I feel like when you, first and foremost, because um, it was honest, hmm. we talked honestly. You know, Trials and I spoke honestly on that record, um, and that reflected, and people engaged with that because they could tell there was no punches being held. It was us, honestly. Yeah. The second part of that is when you um, create such a hectic kind of record with such like uh, ever since Shep Life I'd drawn a line down the middle and said pick a side mm. there's going to be no more fence sitters around a Briggs record you're either going to love me or you're going to hate me <laughs> like there's there's nobody I, I don't want halfway fans you know what I mean like yeah. fans who are just going to be you know oh yeah he's alright it's like no I don't want that response either you hate me or you love me and when people hate you the people that love you galvanize, yeah, yeah, and they understand it. And the people who really dig it, really love it, you know, because I drive such a, a difficult, a difficult ship, a difficult message to to swallow. The people who love it get it and are so invested. And um, I appreciate all those people, you know, hundred percent for understanding and sticking by me, and you know, watching my evolution mm. um, grow. It definitely did come out, and I, I totally feel that vibe. You know, people feel like it's an anthem if you have that ideology. You know, they really go, fuck yeah, this is it. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, hip-hop in Australia didn't have its public enemy phase. Yeah. It skipped so many different phases of rap to where the point, to where it's at, to where it got to where it just died, yeah. you know, because it had no actual... Foundations, yeah. yeah, it had no real substance, no real foundation, so it it died because there was no one talking um, any sense of any kind of worth, because we skipped so many important levels yeah. of of um, culture, and not just culture in hip hop, like a culture of of the cities that we belong. So, you know, when we delivered the Reclaim Australia record which is like you know you, you know out here it's like a public enemy nwa westside connection kind of vibe you know what i mean where it says stuff and mm. it, it stands for something i think people really grabbed onto that because it was something finally real mm. was there any point like that you were kind of like god like are we gonna cop some serious backlash for this and it, i mean did you get more backlash than you thought or less like no, we got as much backlash as we thought. Yeah. But we got way more love yeah, than yeah. we ever thought we would. Like yeah. like a hundred percent figured this was career suicide. Um that people weren't gonna But this this was the album we had to make. It was yeah. like an impulsive like it com, like it was compulsion. Like I had to make had this to album, otherwise I wasn't doing myself justice. Like this was the album that was in my head and my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is where I was heading after um, Shep Life. Like, each album got progressively more, um, I guess, political, you know, even 
but I don't feel like that kind of does it justice. But each album was more also personal. Mm. And, um, you know, Reclaim Australia was where I was headed. There's also, like, the other thing I think that came across in it is, like, your humour also comes across in it, you know? Yeah. There's this still a constant tongue-in-cheek kind of vibe to it. And I think that as Aussies, you know, Aussies, I think that maybe, maybe wouldn't have been convinced by the message. They might have been offended by it. Still could somehow connect to the humour. Do you find that? Yeah, humour's always been my favourite. Um, humour's always been my favourite method, my favourite, you know, avenue to, to travel my favorite delivery you know it's so, it's so powerful yeah you know humor humor is like the human element of us all like mm. um even the the most serious drama is sold with humor because that's what makes it real is when something you know tragic is happening is like that like even if it's like just a small line of humor, like a small moment, a look, it sells it so much more real mm. because that's where we all live. Um, humor has always been, you know, the cornerstone of all the subjects and like you know how we talk in communities and everything we do. So it was always the natural delivery and that was always going to be a big part of you know the album it's an amazing album that's for sure but uh look uh, getting on to the music again song number three we've got three six mafia stay fly mm. give us this one why have you got this one this was just like there, there was a couple of songs in the mid 2000s that were um massive for me and it was like because like in you know 99 and that we had Eminem and Dr. Dre and their amazing renaissance has lasted now till now like you can still play them but there was a couple of songs that I feel like just changed the way we really like listened and and looked at music and one of them was um was still tipping with Mike Jones uh, Slim Thug and Paul Wall and the other was this one, Stay Fly, and it was like a a South um, posse cut that went massive, and no one had ever heard of it before. Like, no one had ever heard of Three Six Mafia out of yeah. Memphis. You know what I mean? And this song just went bananas, and it changed everything. It changed the the mid, you know, it changed the two thousands. Sick. And it was, it was so. It was like this was the track that we would jam. Like, as soon as we were at the party or whatever, like, this was the joint. It's a hell of a burner, that's for sure. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! For the first time, it's going down history, baby. New 3-6 Mafia. Tone in the lap and you know it's a bump 
break it down the good we roll in the Get up here tight, girl, say I'm the main Ice on the wrist with the ice in the chain Ride through the hood, yeah, I'm gripping the grain And I'm sipping the same while I'm changing the lane I feel tight cause I'm choking the Bitch, messed up cause I'm drinking the lane Messing with a D-boy, riding a big toys Make your man gal wanna get on my team She gotta give it up once she get in my car I ain't Denzel, but I know I'm a star Cause when I'm in the club, I be back in the bar In the VIP bar and be buying the bar yeah. Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today is Yoda Yoda rapper, actor and writer Adam Briggs. Uh, now, mate, we are talking about the Reclaim Australia album before and, you know, the kind of broader messages that it had. But obviously the biggest thing to come out of that was the change, the date, January 26. Can you explain to us, you know, as an Aboriginal man, the, the importance of needing to change the date? Um, I think, like, for for those who don't understand the conversation you know changing the date is it's about respect it's about acknowledgement um you know i I think the the biggest like one of the biggest um you know disrespectful parts about it is is the assumption that we should just enjoy it 
Mm. It's like every Australian enjoys it. Like, but there's every year there's Indigenous Australians all over the country saying, and non-Indigenous people too, saying we can't enjoy this. Like, but you know, the government, you know, Turnbull and whoever, and Barnaby Joyce want to say, you know, that we're making it a divisive day by you know changing it it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it, ridiculous it's divisive it, it's divisive by nature it, the day is divisive itself how could it not be you know and um so you know change like it's just such an insult yeah yeah it's like it's such an insult have you like what do you feel like on the ground though like do you feel like the vibe is that we're going to see it happen like i mean or at least see like you know if nothing else at least see triple j change the whole 100 you know like yeah all this stuff will change. Yeah. It will. Because, uh, and it'll happen how it's happening. Yeah. Each council will make a decision. Yeah. You know, it won't be every council. Mm. It'll be, but there'll be fundamental changes within different facets of, you know, and showing leadership. And, you know, it will change. Yeah. And it won't go back. Yeah. It's like, I mean, what did you think of Turnbull the other day when he came out and said, you know, gave Yarra Council shit for changing the celebration date? Like, I mean, well, I told the age he's a he's a coward. Yeah, he can't. He, he couldn't make a decision to save his life. <laughs> That's why we all got to post in, so you know, so people who love each other can get married. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's like just let them get married. Who cares? <laughs> like, why is it such an issue? Why you know, like, why is like. Like, I've been trying to figure out, like, f- for myself, like, just to see what the argument is against it. To be like, I just don't understand why it's an issue. Like, who cares who marries it? I, c- I just don't care. The logic's just not there, is it? That's what I mean. Like, I just don't understand why, you know, and people talk about the sanctity of marriage and there's TV shows like The Bachelor and Married at First Sight and they want to talk about the sanctity of marriage. <laughs> You know it's what I mean? so absurd. It's like it, 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 if, absurd. If, if, if I was, if I wasn't allowed to be married and then people were just, just reeling off TV shows where people get married at the drop of a fucking hat, I'd be infuriated, dog. You know exactly, what I mean? Like man. that's really, that's insulting, man. It's like, ridiculous. Th- there's people out there who have been in relationships longer than producers on that show and people on that show, you know what I mean? And they're not allowed to be married. Let them get married. Like, who fucking cares? Just let <laughs> them be married. See, when are we going to see Senator Briggs in government? Oh, never. Never? No. You're just going to throw bombs from the outside? Yeah, that's just irony. <laughs> There's too much you have to accept yeah, when, yeah. You're, when you're in politics. There's, yeah. there's too much you have to concede. I'm happy out here doing whatever I want. You become part of a party and you have to toe the party, party line whether you agree with it or not. So... You know, you might agree with the party 90% of the time, but that 10% will be too painful for me to enjoy. Totally fair enough, man. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, uh, look, getting on to another track that I'm a huge fan of, actually, UGK, International Players Anthem. Yeah. I mean, there's a million reasons why you could have chosen this song. Uh, like, it's an absolute banger. But first off, what, why did you bring it on, Briggs? It's just, it's one of my favourite songs ever. Yeah. I love... I just love that soul sample with the with the 808s. It's like my favorite kind of beat. I just love it. It's um, it's like got heaps of my favorite yeah, Outkast and UGK. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got so many of my favorite rappers on it, and it's 
it's one of the songs I always play at my, you know, when I if I DJ or something, yeah. it's my go-to. It's also a track that I feel like didn't necessarily get as much popular popular attraction as like you'd think. Yeah, for I such know, a right? Tune. Like, like yeah, I don't know if something else happened at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, did Eminem drop an album? Yeah, I, like I don't that, know. But... I don't know what happened at the like if something else happened at the same time or whatever. I'm not sure, but <laughs> like this is one of my favorite go-to bang and like it's got andre right at the start with no with no drums and then it kicks in and pimp c rest in peace you know what i mean it, yeah, it's a beautiful thing so i typed the text to a girl i used to see saying that i chose this cutie pie with whom i want to be and i apologize if this message gets you down then i cc'd every girl that i'd cc around town and hate to see y'all frown but i'd rather see her smiling Wetness all around me, true, but I'm no island. Peninsula, maybe. Makes no sense. I know crazy. Give up all this pussy cat that's in my lap. No looking back. Spaceships don't come equipped with rear view mirrors. They dip as quick as they can. The atmosphere is now ripped. I'm so like a pip. I'm glad it's night. So the light from the sun would not burn me on my bum when I shoot the moon. High jump the broom like a preemie out the womb. My partner yelling, too soon. Don't do it. Reconsider. On the subject, you sure? You know we got your back like chiropractic. If that do you dirty, we'll wipe her out as in detergent. Now hurry, hurry, go on to the altar. I know you ain't a pimp, but pimp, remember what I taught you. Keep your heart three stacks. Keep your heart, hey, keep your heart three stacks. Keep your heart, man, these girls are smart. Three stacks, these girls are smart. Play your part. To choose it, lover, never without a rubber Never in the sheets like it on top of the cover Money on the dresser, drive a compressor Top notch, get the most, not the lesser Trash like the for $40 in the club Up the game, she gets no love She be cross country giving all that she got A thousand a pop, I'm pulling billions off the lot I smashed up the gray one, bought me a red Time we hit the parking lot, we turn head. Some wanna choose, but them just too scary. You chose me, you ain't a pimp, you a fairy. Something I don't do, tipping for life. Mm-hmm. 
that's like making it rain every month on schedule. Let me tell you, get your parasol umbrella, cause it's gonna get better. Better prepare you for the sea support. She's supposed to spend it on that baby, but we see she does. As Paul McCartney, the lawyers couldn't stop this. Slaughter, slaughter of them pockets had to tie to a rock. Send her into outer space, I know he wish she could, cause he paying 20k a day, that is eating good. Like an infant on a double D, just getting drunk, cause you miscalculated the next to the, the last pump. Dump, dump in the gut, raw from the giddy up. Better choose the right one or pick, pick the kitties up. So. You're listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today is none other than Yorta Yorta rapper, actor, writer Briggs. Now, at your set of Splendor in the Glass this year, you uh, you used your set to issue a very emotional and, you know, incendiary call for justice for Indigenous people after, obviously, the kind of travesty that was what happened with, you know, te- the teenager Elijah Doherty and Kalgoorlie. I mean, what was the reaction from the crowd when you came out and did that? Um, I never, there was, there was like, there was a different vibe with that moment. It it wasn't like any other show we'd ever done. Mm. Um, it was like, it was the last day of Splendor. Everyone was there. It, it, we'd built this up to this moment, um, where it really, um, it, you know, it really, it was it's hard to it's hard to explain what it felt like it was it was like a it, like you felt that in your chest for the 50 minutes that we played like mm. i did mm. um and i guess that's because we were doing something right um was it hard for you to get on there and, and do that at that time yeah it was it was difficult um and i think that's part of it you know the part of my place in this is I have to do the difficult things because mm. um, I get to do so much fun. I get, I get to have so much fun and do all these fun things that I have to adhere and do the difficult things as well mm. Um, mm. because that's just my nature. It's like if I'm having so much fun, <laughs> I need to do something worth something sounds as well. Like, sounds like a very reasonable, rational response to life, you know? Like, Pretty much. It's yeah. like, you know, giving penance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You yeah, know, yeah. it's like because, you know, I get to do so much cool stuff and have so much fun and do all these wild things. Every now and then, it's like I've got to do something real. Yeah, yeah. To give, ju- to give justice and give, um, to give, life to the other fun stuff that I do it gives mm. it agency to be fun you know mm. what I mean if I can step there and do something real for an hour and it can make all the difference mm. you know all the fun stuff I do where it's you know I don't have to think as hard or you know it's not as hard to do mm. is um you know it's it's worth a whole lot more yeah I mean like with that whole situation as well like I mean you had the the courts and the police and the, the media coming out and saying, oh, look, but the guy, you know, who got charged, he got the you know, the heaviest sentence for the kind of situation that he was in. Yeah. I mean, how does that make you feel when clearly the situation does not reflect that that mm. kind of you know, calling? Like? It's a hard thing. Like, 
My 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 initial response is anger. Yeah. You know, and frustration. Um. And I wa- and I I like I just wonder how a how a judge a magistrate gets to this position where this guy has chased a man has chased a kid and if he didn't chase him he wouldn't be dead mm. so you know what kind of what kind of accountability would be there like like i seen a thing where it said i, I seen the judge's response when he said that um he wasn't going over the speed limit um <laughs> the car his 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 car was roadworthy um you know like he's going through his judicial procedure how did he, how did he even know what speed the guy was going yeah you know? like oh they would have had ballistics and whatever you know yeah. cops figure that stuff out yeah. you know and he said the image or whatever plays over in this guy's mind you know and kind of saying you know that that's enough mm. but you know what i what i look at is yeah that image plays over in his mind all right but mm. that kid doesn't get another shot mm. he doesn't get another shot that's it for him he's done now mm. there's no second chance for elijah mm. um that's it for him yeah you know, and people say, "Oh, he stole the motorbike." No one knows if he stole the motorbike. Mm. Nobody knows. Mm. I've heard, I've seen other people say that he didn't. He wasn't on that guy's motorbike. Mm. It doesn't matter. It's beside the point. Mm. As soon as this guy gave chase to him, to the kid, the child on a motorbike, he took the law into his own hands. Mm. He he removed that that right, that basic human right, to to a fair trial away from a child mm. you know and um they you know they're, they're placing property above a kid mm. and it's because he's a black kid it's mm. easy to do that they can compartmentalize and put the black kid over there if he was a white kid that'd be a whole lot be a whole lot different yeah, yeah. because it, you know, they try to justify his death by saying he shouldn't have been on a stolen bike. But they don't know if it was stolen. Nobody does. Yeah. Because he never got the trial that this idiot took away from him. So, you know, and if everyone had to pay with their life for all the dumb things they've done when they were kids, there'd be a whole lot of dead people around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, mate. Well, it's definitely a piece of history that we definitely, definitely need to seriously reflect on in this country. There's no question about that. But uh, look, moving forward onto the songs, unfortunately, we do have time constraints with this show. But uh, Public Enemy, by the time I get to Arizona, why this one? Well, not many people know, and this is why I picked this one. Not many people know this, but um, this was the song that I was trying to make. And I made bad apples. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this is my favorite Public Enemy song. Sick. So when I made when I made bad apples, this was the song that was the yeah yeah the inspiration. This was the inspiration yeah. for bad apples. Yeah, hundred percent. Epic.
deserve a fitting for a king I'm waiting for the time when I can get to Arizona Cause my money is spent on a goddamn rent Neither party is mine, not the jackass or the elephant Twenty thousand Nicky Nicky brothers in the corner Of the cell block, but they cover California Population is none in the desert and sun With a gun cracker running things under his thumb Staring hard at the postcard, isn't it odd and unique? Seeing people smile while in the heat of 120 degrees Cause I wanna be free, what's a smiling face When the whole state's racist? Why well, wanna holiday, damn it, cause I wanna So if I celebrate it, standing on the corner I ain't drinking no 40, drinking time with a nine Till we get some land, call me the trigger man Looking for the governor, huh, he ain't loving you high But hear the trouble, yeah, he's rubbing you wrong Get the point and come along, if it gets to the joint I urinated on the state while I I was kicking this song Yeah, you better be fair The sucker over there You try to keep it yesteryear The good old days The same old ways that kept us dying Hey, yes, you, me, myself, and I indeed What he need is a nosebleed Be between the lines And think you see the lie Politically planned And understand that's all she wrote When we see the real side To hide behind a vote And they can't understand why he the man I'm singing by the king They don't like it when I decide to Make it wait. I'm waiting for the day for the man who demands respect because he was great. Come on, I'm on a one mission to get a politician to honor, or he's a donor by the time I get to Arizona. Listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today has been Yorta Yorta rapper, actor, and writer Adam Briggs. Now we've almost run out of time. We've got a bit of time for some more songs at the end of this. But first, though, I mean, the one thing that we haven't hit on yet that we have to hit on is how the hell you manage to get yourself 
riding on a series with Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons. I mean, it's the most crazy, absurd thing ever. Like, they, that kind of character seems like he's untouchable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you do that? Twitter. What do you mean, Twitter? It's just happened off Twitter. Me and, <laughs> me and Josh Weinstein, who's like the developer of this show. Yeah. So Matt Groening created Josh Weinstein, you know, he was a developer. And um, me and Josh Weinstein followed each other on Twitter because he wrote all my favorite Simpsons jokes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got talking. He's seen the stuff I did for Black Comedy. He's heard my music. We got along. We're friends. How sick is and that? And then he's like, i got an episode for you if you want to write it. I was like, all right, I can do that. What was it like writing for it? Like, you know, like, did it, like, was, did it trip you out or was it just Yeah, like, it was hard yeah. because I really wanted to do something phenomenal, yeah. something great. Um, but it was good hard. It was like going, yeah. it was like doing a workout hard. It's yeah. like you're working hard, but it's to a good ending, you know what I mean? You're going somewhere cool with it. Um, and that's how it worked. Um, it was like, you know, you're in there, it's a really productive room, everyone's really cool. Mm. Um, really helpful, positive, um, you know, supportive. Yeah. Bunch of writers and smart, so smart. And, um, you know, really lovely environment to work in, man. Like, I'm, That's epic. Yeah. And what's the series about? Tell us about it. It's, um, it's like set in a medieval kingdom, like a really, really dilapidated <laughs> kind of... Game of Thrones, you know. Game of Thrones with Simpsons, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds epic. And like, it's I mean, it's obviously like you know, The Simpsons was was pretty political, and there's a pretty p- intense political climate that we're in at the moment, especially in the states. I mean, does, do those kind of things come into it? I think um, even if they, even if it's not directly, um, you know, you, as being comedians and being writers and stuff, you your outside environment affects the way you write and mm. how you write and but so yeah there are everything you know is going to ch- you know change the variables ever so much yeah so yeah there's you know i'm not saying there's going to be a character in there named king trump <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you know there's the, like that environment is you know it's, it's like it. creating any kind of work you know any music or anything like you know after i did the AB stuff, I was so exhausted after writing so political that I moved into writing sports music. Because <laughs> I, I, I wrote a song about boxing. Yeah, I wrote yeah. a song um, about 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 um, footy, like AFL. Yeah. And I wrote the Here song, you know, for Fox League yeah. about about league. Um, because I needed to take a break. Because everything from the outside yeah. affects you so much. Mm. I was like, nah, I need to focus on something that's really simple, that's not going to fry my brain out. I need to rejuvenate my brain yeah. and focus on something that's super positive and really fun and easy. And that's where we're here with Katie Baker come from. Mm. It's epic, man. Well, look, Briggs, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. We do have one last track, though. Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Natural Born Killers. I mean... Pfft. Yeah, it's my favourite beat ever. It's so good. This is just like my, this is my entrance music if I was a wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Is that a, you're you're doing so much in your career, is that an option? 
Oh, man, maybe hit the gym. I maybe <laughs> just knock a stone cold stunner onto somebody. Just one, just one stunner. Just That's one. all I need. I need one one episode on the new Matt Groening show, and I need to hit Vince McMahon with one stunner. Yes, <laughs> it's gonna happen, mate. The way your career trajectory's going, I can definitely see it. <laughs> well, mate, thank you so much. Uh, big thanks to my producer Nicole DePalek, and uh, I'll bring you back next week. See ya. Escape route to be out without a 